Hello and welcome to Women of Aurora, a podcast featuring remarkable women entrepreneurs and leaders working in and around the city of Aurora, Illinois. We discuss how to be successful in your business and in life as we network, support, and uplift each other. Join us to learn how to build authentic connections and have fun in a safe and open space. Hello, my name is Cynthia Gamboa and I'm a multipreneur philanthropist and the founder of Women of Aurora. I enjoy making connections with sound and vibrant women, making an impact in and around the city of Aurora. While building my network, I knew I wanted to create a safe environment to build connections. Therefore, I founded the Women of Aurora Facebook group, a diverse, safe, and space for women from all walks of life to share and uplift one another. Welcome to the Women of Aurora podcast. Today's guest is the founder of a community of educators and families who believe that academic success is a unique path for each learner. She has spent three decades teaching students, has degrees in both psychology and education, and is certified as a pre-K through 8th educator and a master's IEP coach. Let's welcome Jane Marco of ACES Education. Welcome, Jane. Thank you, Cynthia. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's a pleasure. So let's get started. Tell us about you and what is ACES Education? Well, so ACES is um, a community resource hub for families who are either homeschooling, private schooling, public schooling, from pre-K all the way up through 12th grade. And we offer a whole variety of services to support families. That's incredible. Where are you based out of? So we are based out of downtown Oswego. Um, We're right across from the library and the Village Grind. How did you come up with this idea? What what was your motivation for ACES education? So (laughs) that's a long story. I'll try to shorten it. So my husband and I have seven children. Three of our children um, are adopted. And As we were going through their educational journeys, we were really having a hard time finding a right fit for their each of their unique needs. So we ended up deciding to homeschool. Um, I had the background in education and, and felt fairly confident that we could do something as good, if not better, for our children's needs um, at home. And at the time, and this is going back almost 20 years now, at the time, there were very few resources in the community um, to support homeschooling families, So, especially in the far western suburbs. So we kind of got started and and found our feet and got going on homeschooling. And it it was a good experience for our family. We liked the lifestyle. We liked um, the opportunities it gave our children. And as we became more and more involved in the local homeschooling community, as well as in the local community of special education, as I have a couple of of children who have some special needs, we really discovered that families oftentimes, whether they were homeschooling or not, found themselves 
looking for resources and then having a hard time finding them and accessing them. So lots of different barriers for families to getting the help that their children needed, whether they were homeschooling or public or private schooling. And so ACEs sort of organically grew out of that experience. That's that's quite the journey. And I would understand, I, and I'm sure a lot of folks that are listening would understand what that struggle or, you know, understanding or maybe scary part of getting into homeschooling. But I think we all kind of were baptized by fire when COVID came, right? For sure. And we yeah. all became stay-at-home um, educators or stay-at-home moms who came, right? The uh, number one line of, of education. So let me ask you then, how many children do you have now? I'm trying to find that in my in my notes because you've also adopted, right? So you have some biological children and some adopted children from what you just stated. I do. But yep. is it eight? Seven. I have seven children. Seven. Okay. Yes. So my... Uh, I remember there was a high number, Jane. So <laughs> Yeah. My oldest is 28 years old, um, and he is getting married next year. Oh, and congratulations. Thank you. And my youngest is 15, and she actually is one of our... She has been one of our greatest challenges, but also one of our greatest gifts in exposure to worlds of education that we knew nothing about. As a 15-year-old, she has an unbalanced chromosome arrangement, and so she she functions at about a developmental level of a two- or three-year-old. And so she receives lots and lots of services she has ever since she was a a baby. And so in addition to that, has a lot of like complex medical needs. So there are like so many things that we have learned thanks to her (laughs) and experiences we've had thanks to her that now we've been able to take that information and all of that knowledge and share it with other people. That's incredible. I mean, sharing your your story, finding support in your community, and then giving resources to the community is essentially what you're doing. It's coming back full circle. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm just curious then, did you homeschool all of your children? When we started homeschooling, my oldest was about to go into high school. So my as I my background pre-K through 8 is where I'm most comfortable. Um, although that is by no means um, a requirement for a family that a parent be a certified teacher to homeschool their child. But for me, for our family, that's what we were comfortable with. So he went to high school. By the time we started, he was already heading into high school. So he was not homeschooled. And then our youngest has always had, she has attended um private therapeutic day school. So she receives lots and lots of specialized therapies that I imagine if she were my only one, I could probably put together and drive her all around the area to get and access those things. But my reality is is that that is not the case. So... So she has attended um, a few different therapeutic day schools. She's currently at Markland in Geneva, which has been just incredible. That's amazing. I mean, and you're you're identifying needs for your learners at home. And it sounds like now you're helping parents identify 
what their child's learning style is. Kind of coming back full circle again and, and giving out these resources and sharing these resources, how does a parent identify their child's learning style? Well, I mean, there are certainly you can take a you can take quizzes, you can go on the internet and look for different checklists and things like that. But honestly, I think as a parent, how do you how do you learn what your child likes? How do you learn, you know, what they're good at? How do you learn where they struggle? And I mean, I think that most parents would say you you do that by spending time with them, by you know, interacting with them by having um, experiences with your child. And that's true in the school setting as well. Um, We can learn a lot more about another person by entering into a relationship with them and connecting with them um, and spending time with them. And I, I would suggest to parents that the same is true. So if you notice that your child is a student who is singing everything around the house and dancing around and loves that like music and movement, you know, there's a good chance that that is a learning style that is an element of a learning style that for them is very helpful. The one thing too, that I think is important to mention to parents is that I feel like back in the day, several decades ago, as I was in school, learning styles tended to kind of get pigeonholed, right? So you were either an auditory learner or a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner. And now what the research has shown us, um, and I think any parent could attest to this, uh, is that children may have a tendency toward a typical style of learning, right? So they may tend to like auditory learning, but they also have elements of kinesthetic and visual learning. And so for us at ACES in our programming, whether it's tutoring or camps or um, homeschool classes, it's the way the style that we teach information kind of supports that information, that research. We teach using a like a thematic model. So our students are learning under different themes across the entire program, all the way down from our four-year-olds, all the way up through our 14-year-olds. And they're learning a specific topic, but it's being taught in many different ways. So they may be learning about, um, like currently we're learning about the Renaissance. So in the Renaissance, they're learning about the art of the Renaissance. They're learning about music of the Renaissance. They are learning about dance of the Renaissance. They are learning about, they're reading about stories from the Renaissance, whether they're fiction or nonfiction. So they're watching um, video clips from the Renaissance, like not from the Renaissance, but about the Renaissance. That would be pretty impressive if I had clips from the Renaissance. Um, (laughs) So they're having all of those pieces. And then it's making it such that the information is accessible, regardless of the type of learner that you are. That's incredible. And and so then let's go back to ACES. And how does the program work? If I were, if I'm a parent who is sending my children to public school, how does the program work? And then if, if I wanted to make the switch to uh, home parenting or excuse me, homeschool, 
versus public school, I guess I'm just trying to figure out how either they work together or they work separate. And can you kind of walk us through that process? I can. I will give you the Reader's Digest version of how that works. So for families who are currently in public or private school, we have a few different things that um, they can take advantage of. We offer um, summer camps that have a bit of an educational spin on them. So this summer, um, we have several camps. We have a Marvels of Science camp. We have a Mysteries of History camp. So things that are taught in a very fun and relaxed summer learning environment, but they're still learning new information. So that's something that our our non-homeschooling families can take advantage of. Um, We also offer tutoring all year round. So we have lots of families who come to us for tutoring, um, whether that is at the kindergarten level or all the way up through high school. This year, we actually have partnered with Sunrays High School uh, run by Trisha Dunn, who is also one of our local women here in Aurora. And she and I, because I focus on the pre-K through eight programming and she focuses on the nine through 12 programming, we actually brought our programs together so that we could expand available programming for local families. And so in addition to that, because we have that tutoring now that runs all the way up through 12th grade, she also brings to the table um, ACT and SAT test prep. She's a certified ACT test educator. So it's been wonderful to have that on board. And then in addition to that, we also work with families who are in public and private school who have a student who either has an IEP or a 504 plan or is in the process of obtaining one of those um, one of those items. And we actually do what is called um, IEP coaching. So it's a little different than um, traditional advocacy in the sense that what we're really doing is, you know, back to our roots, we are teaching parents how to advocate for their own child. And so really, it's a it's usually a short term uh, gig because we're working ourselves out of a job. We want to, we want the parents to be able to take what we teach them, and then be the one who who is the advocate for their child. The parent will always be the best advocate the child will have. Um, in the yes. sense that when you know when you sit around, if you have a child like we did, like our youngest, I mean, we started in IEP meetings at, she was three years old, just starting in preschool. And as, as she moved along, now she is, like I said, 15. So we've been 12 years sitting around the IEP table. And I will tell you. And Jane, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jane, but Jane, just for our listeners who don't know what an IEP stands oh, for, right? Because yep. that's an acronym. Yep, what, it sure is. What is an IEP and what does it stand for? Like, what does it do essentially for the child? Yeah, absolutely. So an IEP is an individualized educational plan. And what it does is it is children who are identified through the evaluation process They are granted either an IEP or a 504 plan, which is um, not, 
uh, not as comprehensive of a document. Um, so it might be a starting point or it might just be used if a student has needs that are, are not maybe as, as extreme that need to be addressed. And so the child is identified, they are given one of those documents, and then they are um, given accommodations and modifications to their educational programming to kind of level the playing field. So if you think about it, you know, someone who is perhaps in a wheelchair and they need to access a school building, right? They are given a ramp maybe is a modification that can be made to a building to allow access to that building. It doesn't give them more than what other students are getting. It just makes it equal. So they all have the same access to education. That makes sense. Thank you for explaining that. Mm-hmm. And then you were talking about your um, your daughter going into preschool. And then I have one more question. Yeah. So just the point being that, you know, we sat around the table with her at three years old. We sat around the IEP table at four and five and six and seven and all the way. We're still sitting around the IEP table with her. And the piece that I think is really important for parents to know is that if they are confident as an advocate for their child, they are the only ones who will sit every single year at that table. You will have different teachers. You will have different OTs, PTs, speech paths. You will have different principals. You'll have different special ed administrators. That team will always be different every single year. Sometimes even in the same year, it may change. But the parent as advocate for the child is a consistent, constant factor that is so important for that child to have someone who can speak on their behalf, who's been there since the beginning, who knows the child, who knows the story, who knows what's been tried, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, and can really speak in a in a collaborative way with the team and help to um, provide the child with the accommodations and modifications to help him or her be the most successful. Absolutely. And, you know, guardians and parents, grandparents, they know their that child the best. Absolutely. And they, they know them day in and out. So actually, I have two questions for you. How do our listeners find your information? How do they reach out to you? Mm-hmm. Um, are you on Facebook, website, phone number? Yes. So um, we are on Facebook, um, just ACES Education. Lots and lots of information on there. We're also on Instagram, same name, ACES Education. And then our website is our, it's our vision statement. The the URL, our website address is togetherwelearnbetter.com. Um, and that is really, that is the crux of what what we believe at ACES. And you can sign up online at, say it again? Yep, togetherwelearnbetter.com. Yes. Thank you for being here with us. We have just one last question for you. If you could recommend one book to the listeners, what book would it be and why? Yeah, I have an author who I absolutely love. Louise Penny writes a series um, with a character who is, uh, it's, a, it's a mystery series. And the character, the main character is a 
a fella named Inspector Armand Gamache, and it's set in Quebec. Um, and so I, I, I love the setting. I grew up on the East Coast. I've spent time in Quebec. I love that element of it. But I, what I love most is Gamache's approach to his interactions with the people he comes in contact with, to the families that he works with, and also to his staff. Um, and he has four statements that he teaches that he, in his his mind, um, are statements that, that bring wisdom. And I love all four of them. So I'm going to tell you the four statements that he has. Um, the first one is, I don't know. The second one is, I was wrong. The third one is, I'm sorry. And the fourth one is, I need help. And I love those four statements. And I think that there is so much wisdom that we can, in the classroom, in working in the community, even in our own families, that those four statements can bring. And I just, I love that series. So I would highly recommend it. Well, thank you. And thank you for the recommendation. Thank you for having me. Many thanks to our producer, Amy Downing of Amy Downing Media and Marketing. Looking for a space to create connections in Aurora, Illinois? Join the Women of Aurora Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know in the Facebook group and be sure to tell a friend. If you haven't yet, remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. See you next time.